You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Hollywood, what's happening, brother? I finally got out this week. You finally got out of what? Jail? Prison? What? No, I finally got out and saw a show. I hear. You went and saw Warrant. Tell me all about it. Yeah, so uh, there's this county fair. There's a bunch of county fairs that happen in Wisconsin, and there's one that happens like about six miles from where I live, and it's called the Waukesha County Fair. We had second-row seats, and they had like a cover band that played in like a different tent Yeah. Uh, before them, did songs like, you know, Motley Crue, Skid Row, that kind of thing. It was kind of a, a hair metal cover band. And then they played for about an hour 15, an hour 20. Sounded great. Did 16 songs. And, you know, for the the Poisons out there, just in case Brett Michaels is listening to this, or for the Paul Stanleys and Gene Simmons out there this, that are out there and think they don't ever have to change their set list, they did only Broken Heart. They did The Hole in My Wall. They did really? Dusty's Revenge. Wow. Right? So, you know, and they did Down Boys, Sure Foot Goes to Me, Big Talk, I Saw Red, 32 Pennies. They did the hits, you know, yeah. Blind Faith, Uncle yeah. Tab. But Louder, Harder, Faster, they did So Damn Pretty, which they hardly ever do. So it's like you can throw in songs. And even, <laughs> even when they would throw in a new song, There'd be conversation. Of course, Robert's worried a little bit that people start going to the bathroom or whatever. So he's like, all right, people, this is going to be a new song. Now, might, not everybody might know it, but don't go on Facebook. Don't start going on Twitter and not paying attention to me. Pay attention. Right. We need your help on this song. So he was kind of making fun of that. People don't want new songs. Yeah. They got applause on every song they did. How'd your son like it? He said, that was better than the Kiss Def Leppard show we saw a couple of years ago. Right on. What'd they open with? Sure feels good to me. Nice. Yeah. Man, fantastic. I saw that you streamed a little bit. I didn't catch the streams, but uh, I did see that you're streaming. So I did a concert last night. Uh, I worked last night. And so last night was Smashing Pumpkins. Are you at all a Smashing Pumpkins fan, casual fan? What's your take on Smashing Pumpkins? I saw them once, never liked them, and seeing them dressed up like the Beatles and open for Kiss did not help. Really? They opened for Kiss? Yeah. Uh, Halloween night, Dodger Stadium. Me, my brother, uh, Tony, and his brother, all four of us drove down there and saw the first uh, Psycho Circus show. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, they didn't transfer well in a stadium setting, huh? No. And I just never been a big fan of the songs either. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so my take on the Smashing Pumpkins is I'm a casual fan. I'm really picky about which songs I like, which songs I don't like. And probably it's maybe 50-50, maybe 40-50 to songs that I like versus songs I don't like. I'm a little bit more of a fan of Gish, their earlier record, much more before they got really successful. But I do like Siamese Dream. I liked a little bit off of uh, Melancholy. Uh, so I liked uh, a few things uh, here and there. But I have to say last night their set was pretty cool in terms of just the stage show. 
They had a lot of moving parts, like a lot of moving stage sets, a lot of costume changes, and a lot of moving lights on tracks and things like that. So it was just, it was visually pleasing, if that makes any sense to you. Right. Okay. Uh, They sounded great. They sounded fantastic because that's a band that really, if their sound is not good, they're going to be a train wreck because, you know, some of their songs, they're a little train wrecky, right? A little bit of that grunge train wrecky, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean, right? I know what you mean. Okay. So there was potential there for that train wreck, but I have to, I have to, uh, give credit to the sound company and the sound guys and the band themselves because it was pretty tight and it sounded really quite good. So I had great view because I was doing floor access probably 10 rows off the stage maybe. I saw the whole thing. I will tell you this, that somewhere uh, between their first album and their reunion uh, this year, they decided that they were going to go the Bruce Springsteen route. They paid three hours, man. Wow. Three hours. Did they play other people's music? They have three hours full of music? They have that much? So, so that, that brings me to an interesting point. I'm glad you asked. They did play three cover songs. You want to take a shot at what those three cover songs were? Uh, Green Day, um, The Turtles, and uh, The Monkees. No, absolutely wrong. Oh, okay. You are wrong, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'll break it down for you like this. They played Ground Control to Major Tom, right? Bowie. Okay, okay. They played Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I have to say they rearranged it and he played a lot of it on keyboard and it was kind of cool. But during the song, they marched out this uh, like Lady Madonna on a float thing with uh, monks carrying it. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Wow. <laughs> they marched right past me. I don't know what the statement there was. Christianity, not Christianity. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Wow. So I have no clue. And then the they played Landslide, Fleetwood Mac. Wow. Okay. So, so those were the three cover songs they played. I may be missing one there because I kind of forgot about Landslide, but... I may even be missing one, but those are the three covers I remember they played. So the opening number, I remember why I don't like this era, uh, Sonny. I don't like this era because it kind of bums me out a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's bummer music. That's I'm, why when grunge came, I'm like, what happened to like sex, drug, and rock and roll? Like, I want songs about women. And partying. I'm, I'm there yeah. with you, brother. I mean, so the first song, listen... Far be it from me to argue with uh, true artistry, and I always say, unless you've walked a mile in that person's shoes, you don't know what pain and suffering the individual's gone through, Uh, so I get it. So Corrigan obviously had a troubled youth at some point. Uh, because the first song he walks out there and he does this song with all these images in back that, uh, you know, he's pushing the zero thing and he's pushing the, um, no future thing. And he's showing, uh, childhood pictures of himself and he's drawing, uh, you know, 
horns on his little kid pictures and just all this stuff. And it was just sort of depressing, I'll be honest. And again, to anybody who's a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan and knows the real story, I like I said, I'm sure the guy has had problems. I'm sure he had a troubled youth I, until you walk a mile in that person's shoe. Uh, I, I get it. I really do get it. But if I'm going to a concert, <laughs> I'm trying to leave reality and have a good time. And that doesn't say good time to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. But I respected it. I respected the artistry. I respected the whole show as a package. I thought it sounded great. There are quite a few songs that I like. I mean, I love Cherub Rock. I love uh, 1979. I love whatever that song is. The world is a vampire. That tune, I like that tune a lot. You know, there are several songs that I like by this band, but that was my take on it. So that was how I spent uh, five hours of my evening last night, six hours of my evening last night. Wow. And then on the contrary, Warrant opens with Sure Feels Good to Me and Down Boys. Thank God. Thank God for rock and roll, son. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, Sonny, let me ask you something. Does it bother you to hold things under lock and key while you decide if lightning strikes again? Do you need to decide if there will be hell to pay for someone who fights tooth and nail to save your love while the whole time you were only there seriously to erase the slate? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, that sounds a little dysfunctional. I think, Sonny, you need to do some soul searching, and I think you need to find a way to start breaking the chains from all these crazy people you hang out with. Am I right? (laughs) that's pretty good that's pretty good <laughs> how'd i do man you did pretty good you did pretty good <laughs> i think i got them all in there i usually do that stuff that was pretty good you know except for the live records and stuff like that <laughs> that's pretty good i got the important ones in there yeah that's true so so that brings us to what we're doing today we're sunny i think that you and i are doing our actual first top five list I mean, if you don't count the end of year thing, I think this is actually our first top five episode, if I'm not uh, mistaken, is it? Yeah, it is. Uh, but it's it's my top five. It's actually kind of like my number 10 through 15 because I didn't want to play just the hits because I love all the hits. All right. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit today. Yeah. We yeah. are doing our first top five show episode but the name of this episode is our top five docking songs at this minute (laughs) and it is truly at this minute because i'll be honest with you and i think sonny you'll back me up we're pretty huge fans of rocking with docking am i right uh yeah I mean, Dokken has been a band that has literally been there. I've been with Dokken from the beginning with Breaking the Chains and Tooth and Nail. And they're one of my growing up rock bands for sure. I remember writing the logo on my folders in high school and just a huge fan of Dokken. So I've been there from from kind of the beginning. Uh, and for me to choose my top five, is, it's a, impossible. I mean, I can't do it. There are definitely songs that I like more than others. There are definitely songs that I don't necessarily hate, 
but I don't necessarily love them. So they're songs that are kind of meh, but those are few and far between. Uh, you can probably fill my love list with 60, 70 docking songs right off the bat. I'm guessing maybe. What do you think uh, there, Sonny? What's your take on docking? Yeah, so I've been there pretty much from, uh, I would say, about 85, 86. So that's kind of when I uh, first heard Dawkins and heard people talking about it in high school and stuff. Yeah. Um, I've seen them nine, ten times, uh, different incarnations of the band. I would say my sweet spot is tooth and nail to dysfunctional. That's my sweet spot. almost love everything on all four of those albums. After that, um, love hate. So, you know, I was listening to, I listened to every song after dysfunctional all the way through the last album. I liked half of it. I didn't like half of it. So there's definitely a magic missing. The grease on the joystick is just right. That's what she said. <laughs> when it's Lynch and Dawkins. When it's not Lynch and Dawkins, it's not a problem that there's bad guitar work. It just for whatever reason, the mixture to me is just not always right. Yeah, I mean, I get it. My sweet spot, just as we said, the three years difference in you and I, it always comes into play. It comes into play here. So I got into them probably 82-ish, I think, if uh, my math is right. But rounding about there, sophomore, uh, junior year of high school. And I saw them a few times. Haven't seen them near as many times as you. But again, that's the whole West Coast bible belt thing i didn't have the opportunity to see him that many times i think i saw him i know i saw him on the last in line tour opening up for dio and it was fantastic i loved it that might have been one of the only earlier times that i saw him and then i've seen him um over the years a few few different times but not in the original incarnation so that was my take on it but listen uh, we're going to talk a whole lot about docking here coming up, but uh, before we dig into this and get into our top five, we've got some house cleaning to do, uh, so let's start doing that house cleaning. Samantha. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours, so go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word. G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right. So Growing Ups of the Week, and we got a bunch of them uh, that shared our last episode with Bob Nalbandian. And we also got some shares uh, right away from the Podchaser episode that we did. So the Grown Ups of the Week, these are the folks that shared us on Facebook and retweeted us on Twitter. Chad Rees. Tony Rambo, Mike Parnell, Aaron Baker, Bill Elam, Bill Algy, Dave Saker, Lady Lake Music, End of Days Music, Rodney Dixon, Kristen Kivo, Terry Lee Bolton, Hairnut Radio, Alan Tate, Marcelo Verzi, Janet Eck, Jody Habnot, Jay Sabluski, Little Fish, Talking Metal, Nighthawk, Andrew Jacobs, Music Palace Radio, Electric Circus Radio, Bella Lowe's 1966, Dirk Sokolowski, Mark Winder 8, Ogata, David Hudson, Shawana Lee, David Cathy, Vinnie Folletti, uh, I love it, Loudcast, Focus on Metal, Steve Wright, Jason Alexander, Daryl Alber, Classic Rock Drops, Eladio, The Power Core Channel, Digital Kill, DNR Studio CEO, Metal Empire Mag, 
Tammy Sullivan, our buddy Adam Cox, Podcast Rock City, Decibel Geek, Chris Sinzak, Tony Masalem, Fast Vinny, Tom Dust, Ages of Rock Podcast, Peter Cessary, Gons, Courtney Cronin Dold, Jason Kearney, Victor Ruiz, and Ear Peeler, which uh, they're awesome. Thank you, Victor. Save Rock and Metal, The Peter Principles, Carrie Davis, and uh, I'll festinate here for a second. Carrie has two daughters named Bryce and Taryn, and they're new young fans, so I appreciate them uh, listening. And thank you very much for uh, hooking your best friend up with the kids listening there. Uh, Restrained, who supplies all our music. Paris Records, which definitely uh, helped us out with uh, with some new bands that we heard. And then Podchaser shared us. And I will tell you, as of right now, we are the number one music podcast on Podchaser. We have like 80 ratings. Boop, boop. So um, Podchaser has really been good. If you're listening right now and you have not done a Podchaser rating or review, it is super easy. Just go to www.podchaser.com. You register. All it takes is a uh, log on ID, a password, and an email, and you're good to go. You can rate episodes. You can rate shows. You can rate us. We'd love it if you left a comment. So uh, thank you, everybody, for sharing. Help us out, people. Go to Podchaser and leave us a review on an episode or on the show or both. Uh, and just to correct my friend Hollywood Pooney there, uh, Restrain, they're awesome, and they oh, do yeah. quite a bit of our transition and intro music, but they're not responsible for all, all our music, music because, yeah, yeah. you know. I realized that after I said it. Because, you know, otherwise <laughs> they'd be doing like Unchain the Night and freaking She Just Got Lucky and, you know, all that shit. You know, to Tony's favorite guitarist is George Lynch, and Dokken is one of his favorite bands. I forgot I, about that. I know Tony and, and uh, Dokken uh, come together, and in fact, uh, we talk all about it on episode, like, what, four, Two. five, six, ten? Uh, six, ten, nine, <laughs> something like that. Go, go in our catalog and, and check out our interview with Tony from Restrain. They're a killer band. If you haven't heard them, go check them out because they're a great band. And so, Sonny, do you still love it loud? Still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America recording on-site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and on-stage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Corn, Kiss, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Except, Bang Tango, Kick Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club, School of Rock Nashville, and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. That's right, people. Rock and Pod 2 is quickly approaching in Nashville. Go find out all the details. 
You can find them out from that commercial or you can go to the show notes in growinguprot.com and all the details will be there for you. So go check it out. If you're in and around Nashville or have any way to get into Nashville at the end of August, I suggest you do so. It's going to be a fantastic weekend, not just a day, but a fantastic weekend. That is all I got to say about that. Now, what time is it? It's time to crack it up. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. I don't know what key that was in. <laughs> I'm not awesome at it, but that was bad. Dude, anyway. that, to me, that sounded like a super young Mark Torian. Wow. <laughs> How, if I was Mark right now, I'd just jump off the nearest bridge. Listen, Sonny, I'm having a nice fine glass of red wine, so let me take a little bit more sip and it'll loosen up my vocal cords and I can uh, hit that note, as you say, in the key of uh, Q flat minor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so crank it up spotlight. So there is a San Francisco Bay Area band from Antioch, California, which is uh, actually just a few miles from where I live in San Francisco, uh, near San Francisco. Band's called Bad Boy Eddie, and that's E-D-D-Y. Energetic live band. I've seen them live a couple of times. They opened for the Iron Maidens. I remember I saw them in a club open for the Iron Maidens. And I think they've played with their strain, too, because I've seen them a couple of times uh, since then. They are currently signed to a record label called Demon Doll Records. And Demon Doll Records has a bunch of other artists too, some old school guys. You can buy their CD online. It's five guys, Eddie Vega on vocals, Dave Saker and Rob Peterson on guitars, Steve Jones on bass, and then Larry Burnell on drums. And these guys... uh, I thought Steve Jones was in the Sex Pistols. Well, I don't know. I guess there's another Steve Jones. I'm sure there's lots of Steve Jones. It might not be Steve Jones. It might be Steve Jones. Maybe. I don't know. I'm um, guessing Jones in America is basically like Pooney and Indian. Uh, yeah. Okay. There's not that many of us. Don't worry. There's not that many of us. Um, so, you know, at first I was going to play the song and then tell you what I thought they sounded like. But I want to put in your head what they sound like before we roll the song. To me, they sound like Warrant plus Wasp. Check this out. She spits venom. Jump by me everywhere 
dig that tune they sent us a couple songs they look cool they look straight out the you know straight out that time that i love so much so uh they look pretty cool in the promo picture i like the songs it sounds good sonically it sounds good uh so yeah cool kind of a weird name but okay i get it the singer <laughs> owns the name he's the probably the founder of the band so there you go <laughs> i mean that's so my guess i don't know these guys so they they got a little wasp and a little warrant to them, right? They got the rasp and the driving guitar, but then they got the melody of like a warrant song. Yeah, a little bit of Skid Row too thrown in there. A little bit of uh, earlier Skid Row thrown in there. Yeah, it's catchy stuff. Let's get to the important questions here, Sonny. Do these guys go to Podchaser and leave us a review? <laughs> I hope so. Because because if because if not, I'm gonna uh, do like the record scratchy thing right in the middle of that song. No, no, they're good guys. I uh, I connected with Dave uh, the other day. They're also they're playing at uh, the whiskey on uh, July twenty eighth. Hey, listen, the world famous whiskey. That's cool. You know, anybody that plays the whiskey, hey, hats off to them. That's right. So very cool. All right, dude. That's pretty much enough of all this uh, pre-game tailgating. Um, rhetoric i think it's time to get into this episode what do you think yeah let's do it all right let's do this all right it's time for our top five at this minute docking tunes between Sonny and i and uh again we want to tell you keep the email at a minimum i'm sure that we're gonna miss plenty of songs that people are gonna be like why did you pick that because we like it at this minute is the answer. And I don't think the world needs to hear Alone Again anymore. They know all about that song or um, In My Dreams or uh, Breaking the Chains or You Just Got Lucky. These are all songs that everybody knows. But one thing I do want to talk about a little bit, uh, Sonny, because I'm sure a lot of the listeners that are our age are familiar with this band, but I did a very short little interview for Podchaser website the other day. And the girl that was interviewing me 
asked a really, really pertinent question, I thought. And she asked us about the podcast and how we go about educating the younger listeners that don't know anything about some of the music that we play or some of the bands we talk about. And I thought that that was really important because you and I get in this frame of mind where we just kind of assume, listen, all the listeners are our age and all the listeners just kind of know who Dokken and Iron Maiden are. But what about the 15-year-old kid that is playing grown-up rock for the first time and doesn't know a whole lot about these bands, you know? Yeah, I agree. You know, I I guess I take it for granted because my kids do know because I'm always giving them a history lesson every time they're in the car about, you know who this is, right? You know, so I've gotten so far as to, you know, when somebody's playing a guitar solo and they'll repeat the same lick like four times, I'm like, any idea who that is? And somebody will yell out, Ace! Because, you know, Ace does that, you know, he'll just keep doing the same thing over and over. Hey, Sonny, I do the same thing with my wife. I do the same thing with my wife in the car. So do you have any idea who this person is and how it relates to this band? Yeah. And I'll quiz her. And she's getting better. <laughs> God bless her. She's getting better. I mean, Jesus, she talked about Winger with us in the back of a car. What's up? Yeah, that's pretty, that was pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I think it is good just to kind of quickly educate. Sometimes people don't know. And, and there's facts. When I go on here and I read in, in Wikipedia, there's stuff that even I forget or didn't know about. So, you know, I kind of forget certain things that uh, were part of this band uh, because we didn't have Wikipedia back then when I was into the band, you know. Yeah, no, makes sense. So one thing that was interesting in Wikipedia, it says this band was formed in 79. And I don't think anybody really thinks the band was around that early, but they were in one form or another kind of on the Sunset Strip, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Don was out there kind of by himself a little bit, picking up uh, musicians here and there. He was there when Van Halen got signed. He was around at that time and... Um, I think he was getting frustrated that stuff wasn't happening with him. That's why he ended up going overseas to record. Yeah, and some people don't know. So the formation of this band, Don was out doing his own thing. George Lynch and Mick Brown were in a band called Exciter. And Exciter actually showcased the same night that Van Halen showcased at the Starwood, I think, if uh, memory serves me correctly, for Gene Simmons. And Gene was actually there because he kind of preferred Exciter. But when he went there to see Exciter and Van Halen, I think Exciter had a pretty poor night. And he ended up loving Van Halen, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, that one's news to me. I didn't know that part. I knew the Exciter part. I didn't know the rest. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a, a true thing. Uh, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, but yeah, George Lynch and uh, and Mick Brown were in Exciter, and you know I won't go into all the details every last minute, but uh, they end up with Don, uh, and then Juan Crochier from Rat is in Dockin when they get their deal, and he bails for Rat, and in comes Pilsen, and the rest is history. 
And, you know, there's a lot more to it all than that and a lot more history, but uh, this can't be a three and a half hour show. So we're not the Smashing Pumpkins, Poonie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the one of the things that people uh, don't always know is folks that listen to Doc and, and know a little bit about him know that there's this history of George and Don fighting. But most people think those fights like started after they started gaining notoriety a little bit. Those fights were there from like day one. George never listened. <laughs> he was never going to listen. And Don, it was Don's man and George was not going to listen. So they've not ever really recorded in the same room ever. They've lost producers over it. And this was during like tooth and nail that were losing producers. There were nobody. Right. So that fight's been there forever. Yeah, it has. I mean, they were, you know, there's a lot of competition on the Sunset Strip and and he was one of many that was on the Sunset Strip. I, I read somewhere, you know, because Lynch was around at the same time Eddie Van Halen was coming up. And so I remember reading uh, my Dave Min and Greg Reynolds book where, um, you know, Lynch used to go and try to seek out uh, Van Halen practices and find out what Eddie was doing and Eddie would do the whole back turn thing and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So there was that competition, uh, from day one there on the sunset strip between some of those, uh, so-called guitar gods, right? I shouldn't say so-called they were guitar gods. They are yeah. guitar gods. Yeah. Randy Rhodes was in the middle of that. I mean, yep. there's a lot happening at that point. Yeah, man. Hollowed yeah. grounds as I like to call them for, for the kind of rock and roll that you and I love. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right, dude. Well, shit. Should we get into this? I think there's going to be su some surprises for a lot of people. I hope we turn people on to some docking songs or docking albums that maybe they have discounted because it's not the original lineup. You know, we do have a word of the day that we'll be working in throughout the podcast. So you guys figure it out. Go to our Facebook page. Let us know what you think that word is as we work it into the conversation. But I think that, you know, we, we went and we, we each picked what we thought was sort of a popular song um, or a song that most Dokken fans would know. But then we also went and said, you know, we really love this song, even though it's song 14 on uh, one of the later records or something like that. You know, I mean, it's just like it's a mixture of of John Levin and, and George Lynch. And but there's some really, really good tunes in, in this uh, mix of uh, songs that we've selected. I have no problem with playing any of this stuff. And I guess I'll get us kicked off. Is there anything else you want to say before I kick us off? Nope. Let's go. All right. Let's get on it. So definitely mine starts off straight off that list that I just kind of talked about, which is I'm going to go to 2008's Lightning Strikes Again. Uh, this was uh, a record with John Levin. And this song is, I want to say this might even be the closing track off the record, but I really, really like some of the lush vocal uh, melody lines in this song. Uh, definitely, you can tell some of the kind of Beatlesque 
qualities in this song, but it's a heavy song, so take a listen.
So this album of all the, I'm just going to say new albums, new albums to me are the albums after 2000 for Dokken. This album probably is the closest to classic Dokken in my opinion. This song sounds like it could have been like a leftover demo from Dysfunctional, to be honest. Yeah, it's good. The name of that song was This Fire. And again, uh, just really kind of lush vocals. I love the melody lines in that song. It's a heavy song. Just, I mean, it's a good solid record, uh, but this is a good solid song. And this is the, I want to say this is the closing track on that record. It is. It is. Unless you get the European version, there was uh, extra tracks on it. I never liked the Europeans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> nice. I'm just kidding. I love them. Europeans know their metal. So, but no, I don't have that. Your turn, buddy. All right. So my first pick, in my opinion, Back for the Attack from 87 is probably their perfection album. Everything kind of came together. It was the best songwriting. I love every song on that record. And I picked one that wasn't a single because, I mean, Dream Warriors, Heaven Sand, Burning Like a Flame, So Many Tears, Prisoner, those were all released as singles. But my favorite song of the album actually wasn't. Check this out, Standing in the Shadows.
So I actually had this on my list, uh, and when I saw you had already chose it, I had to pull it off. Um, but I absolutely love Standing in the Shadows. I don't know if it's my favorite song on the record because I kind of echo your thoughts where I just thought this album was amazing, which made it all the more kind of heartbreaking when the band announced their uh, breakup. I remember uh, I was hanging out and uh, my roommate and I were both huge Dokken fans and my roommate bust into my room late one night and he's like, dude, Dokken just announced they're breaking up. I'm like, fuck, really? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was because, I mean, it was shortly after this album was released, I want to say, that they kind of broke up, right? Well, I saw them in 88 and uh, I was so much a Dokken fan at that point. They played in Sacramento, they played in Oakland, and uh, they played in San Francisco within five days. And I saw all three shows. And I don't even like Aerosmith, and Aerosmith was the headliner, right? I just went to go see Doc, and I think I left early two of those shows because I didn't want to see Aerosmith anymore. Dokken was the premier opening act at that uh, point in time. I remember it that in those year spans, Dokken was never necessarily a headliner, but they were like the opening act. They were so primed because they had a big enough fan base to bring in uh, and sell probably, you know, four or 5,000 tickets but they weren't big enough to headline a stadium or not a stadium, but an arena on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've, I saw them three times headline, but they were all club dates. I've seen them open for Loverboy. I've seen them open for Aerosmith three times. I've seen them open for Alice Cooper. I've seen them open for Scorpions. And I think I heard in an interview once, and I can't remember if it was Don or George, the next album, like if they would have done an album in 89, they would have headlined a tour. Yeah. They were that big with Back for the Attack. When I found out they broke up, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We just saw these guys. Yeah. Because I had seen them again. They played with Van Halen at Candlestick that July, same year. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Dokken is set because everybody loved the set. But I, I just I'm heartbroken when they broke up. Did you see the Monsters Rock tour? Oh, of course I did. Yeah, so I didn't see that. I mean, I would have loved to. That was like a dream tour when I was when I was younger, but never came around where I lived or anything like that. So I think that was their really one of their big uh, highlights as a band uh, was that tour. You know? Yeah, they don't break up. I figured they own eighty nine and ninety probably. But they've been fighting since the early 80s. They've been fighting since the day they got together. And there's something funky about that whole relationship. All right. So I'm going to go to the newer and unknown stuff, to the absolutely known by all Dokken fans. This is probably the song that actually flipped the switch for me. It wasn't the first Dokken song I heard, but it was definitely one of the ones that flipped the switch for me. Check it out. Lies and misery 
So not only was that song on MTV every five minutes, it felt like, damn VH1 Classic now, the only docking song they play is this Into the Fire video. I don't know why. There's other videos. Dude, I loved a song. I love this video. I mean, this flipped the switch for me. This album, everything about Tooth and Nail, 1984's Tooth and Nail, was perfection. It was definitely a defining record in my sweet spot of growing up rock years. For sure, this record got played to death. I wore the shit out of this. I think I had this on vinyl, on cassette. One of the first CDs that I went out and bought once CDs were available. I mean, <laughs> this this record was a, was very important to me. And Into the Fire was badass from start to finish. I loved everything about it. Yeah, it's a great song. There's no every Dawkins fan knows that song, so no doubt. Yeah, so that's that's my obvious Dawkins top five pick for me. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Before we go any further, dude, I want to make sure that everybody knows that, um, you know, we festinated over these picks, right? I mean, there's so many different ways that we could have gone. And each time we'd pick something, kind of hesitate, and then we'd come back to it. And, you know, so carry on, man. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, so from a well-known song to a hidden gem, check this out. Maybe you never heard this.
Okay, so they break up, they come back, they break up in 89, they come back in 93, and in 95, they released Dysfunctional. And I remember when I first got the album, I'm like, man, they got like more dark and serious. Like they were never really singing about girls and screwing and drinking. They weren't really, it was about relationships, but it wasn't really about partying. But it definitely got, the magic had changed a little bit. Because uh, the songs dragged just a little bit. The riffs weren't as aggressive, but there was a lot of catchiness to them. So that song you just heard, if you didn't know what song that was, uh, is called Shadows of Life. And it's off of a dysfunctional. What do you think about that song? Uh, I like that song quite a bit. I think this album, you know, a lot of people took this album wrong. They didn't necessarily like it. Um, but there's some really, really good stuff on this record. In fact, I was almost going to put something from this record, but then I festinate and I decided not put too high to get it right. What was it? Too high. Too high to fly. Too high to fly. Too high to get it right. It's actually a sep song, but yeah, <laughs> too high to fly. I love quite a bit, but it's a seven minute song. But I love that song. Yeah, dysfunctional is pretty good front to back, to be honest. Yeah, I I don't know if I'll go that far, but I do like a lot of the stuff off that record, and I think it is an uh, underrated record uh, because fans didn't know how to take it, but. You know, yeah. because I think they expected Bat for the Attack or Tooth and Nail 2 when, you know, the band announced that they were, you know, this was the first record they were doing as a as a unit, right? As the original unit. Yeah. Now, do you think it's funny? So they break up, they get back together, and the first album title is Dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Uh, that's well, pretty funny. No true, no truer words could have been spoken, right? That's right. <laughs> it is what it is. All right, let's kick it off like I like to kick it off. Bang your heads, people.
right, so what more can be said from the kickoff track from 1987's Back from the Attack? Like Sonny already said, he loves it front to back. I echo it. I love it front to back. And the first song we heard off that record was the kickoff track, and it blew me away. Uh, and I, I just, I love this song. I know it's not necessarily a deep track. It's not a single either, but this song gets my blood pumping. It's one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. I probably have 10 or 15 that all kind of rank together. Lynch has got a few of them. This is one of them. That riff, especially the riff under the verse it's unique. You do not hear that kind of riff anywhere else. That is all George. Yeah, without a doubt. And you know, one thing I didn't know about this record is uh, when I was wikiing it and doing a little research into the record, did you know that uh, Rock and Pod 2 guest Toby Wright worked on this record? I had no idea. That's news to me. I think he engineered it, or I think he engineered a song or two off of it, but uh, he is credited on the album. Um, If you go to Wiki and take a look. Uh, So that's cool. So hopefully we'll get a chance to maybe ask him a little bit about his work on Back for the Attack in 87. That's cool. Yeah, we should. Absolutely. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right. So in addition to rating our podcast and reviewing our podcast, uh, how else can people lend a helping hand to us, Mr. Hollywood? If you're festinating over buying some of the stuff that you need to buy on Amazon. There's no reason to fascinate. You can just go through our link at the grownuprock.com page. There's an Amazon link there. Just click on there and go do all your Amazon shopping. And uh, Amazon kicks us back a little bit to help us with the hosting fees. Now, I bought something on Amazon and I have a different review of it than our buddy Steven here. (laughs) So for those of you who know me really, really well, you know that I am about 90% deaf in my left ear. Um, The doctor says it's something genetic. I think it was Y&T when I was 19 years old because it's the same ear that was pounding against a speaker while I was watching Menachetti rip the solos uh, at an Oakland nightclub one year. I heard it was you bumped your arm when you had a Q-tip shoved in there and you shoved it further in there. No. So... I heard you talking about these bone conduction headphones and I had started checking them out. So I ordered some called aftershocks. Yeah. Love them. I can finally hear out of both my ears, the music that I love. Does it sound tinny? Not at all. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Are those, are those the ones that Cole recommended or no? And you guys were talking about it and I think he said Aftershocks. So when I looked it up on Amazon, they were 99 bucks, and I absolutely love them. And then I had Anthony try them today. He absolutely loves them. Dude, I don't know. I swam with those things. And to everybody that is like, what the the hell are these guys talking about? We're talking about these headphones that conduct, they don't go in your ears. They conduct off your forehead, the bone in your forehead, right? Right. 
and I used them to swim with because you can't wear headphones in the pool, obviously. So I used them because they made these swim model ones and it was tinny sounded. It sounded tinny. It wasn't something I want to hear my rock music with. But, you know, Cole made a good point, which is, hey, I just listened to podcast. And for that, it's probably pretty good. But now Pooney is debating that and saying that it sounds good. In all defense, he's deaf. So I don't know whether to believe him. <laughs> Maybe it was the waterproof thing or something. But I'm telling you, I listened to Kiss on. I listened to Ace's solo album yesterday on him. I listened to um, Metallica's Black Album. And then I listened to Disturbed Asylum, and then I listened to podcasts, and they all sounded great. But I'm deaf in one ear, so what do I know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> exactly my point, my friend. Anyway, the point is, you guys all shop at Amazon. We know you all shop at Amazon. We all shop at Amazon. Who doesn't shop at Amazon? So use the link at growinguprock.com. Go to that website. Scroll down a couple of inches and hit the Amazon banner and go do your shopping. It doesn't cost you a dime more. It takes you straight to the Amazon site, but they kick back a little bit for helping us to pay for our hosting costs. That's the that's the end of the end of the push. Let's get back into a little bit of rocking with docking. All right. So the next song, no reason to festinate. Just check this out.
so what song does that remind you of? Um, I don't know. I listened to it three or four times today, though. You think that it sounds a little bit like um, our dudes with beards? Yeah. The verses sound dead on cheap sunglasses to me. Huh. I have to listen to it again with that in mind. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, you just heard the song called uh, Voices of the Soul. It's from Erase the Slate. Great song, thumping bass. It's Red Beach's first album. Red is no slouch. Red did a great job on this. But the verses sounded very cheap sunglasses to me, and I, it might have been the reason I really like the song, honestly, because I really love uh, ZZ Top. So, but yeah, it's a great song, though. Well, yeah, I I think it's a I think it's not only a, a very good record, but uh, I listened to that song three or four times today. It is a a good song. I have no issues with it. So we'll go to something like Erase the Slate to probably an even lesser known record, which is 2004's Hell to Play. Uh, take a listen to this.
got a little bit of a pop feel and always good in the neighborhood about whatever drugs he wants to talk about believe my jack daniels and jim beam out of the song (laughs) that is a song called prozac nation and i think the lyrics speak for themselves um but i again uh and this is a common theme with some of the tunes that i'm playing tonight but i like kind of that lush um almost beatlesque uh, layering of vocals and some of the verses and stuff. Uh, I just, I dig that. It sounds so pleasing to my ears. And so I, I dig this song. I've liked this song for a while, uh, even though I didn't even have this record as a whole, but I did have this single. Well, I call it a single, but I had this download. So Yeah, I'm not in love with that album, really. Actually, that's the only song I like off that album. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that album. I just can't get into it. Well, at least I picked the one you like, though, brother. Yeah, that's true. There you that's go. That's true. All right. So we go from a kind of more Beatlesque song to a ripping, unbelievable riff. I cannot believe this song was not a single. Uh, from Under Lock and Key, Lightning Strikes Again.
So that song left such an impact, they decided to name a later Dokken album after it. I think 2008's Lightning Strikes Again was actually taken from the song title of Lightning Strikes Again under Lock and Key, if I'm not mistaken. At least that's what I read in one of the things. Yeah. First of all, again, one of my favorite solos of all time. I love that lower voice that he bring, that he uh, starts each verse with. I think that's really cool. You give me a hundred of these. Like I, now, I can't argue against the singles. The Hunter, In My Dreams, Will the Sunrise, It's Not Love, Unchained the Night. I mean, okay. Uh, you can't pick every song. I get it. But man, in 85, this song would have done really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that leads me uh, to my last pick. And I picked something a little bit different, but I absolutely love this song. So this one is coming courtesy of Reb Beach, Mick Brown, Don Dock, and Jeff Pilson off the 1999 Erase the Slate record, which is a reoccurring theme here on our on our list. Uh, both Sonny and I have selections off of this record. Not a bad record. And this is a song that is called Crazy Mary Goes Round. Take a listen. Cause it did 
if it sounds a little different to you from that normal Dawkins sound, that's because that's a song that Mick Brown sings. And I don't know, this may be the only Dawkins song that Mick Brown sings lead vocals on. I don't think uh, Don gives up the lead vocals to anybody else but Mick Brown on this song. I may be wrong, but I, I think that's the case. And obviously to me, I mean, Mick sings pretty well. What do you what do you think of that tune, dude? Uh, it's a good tune. Mick Brown, I mean, you can't sleep on his skills, right? And he's played for Nugent. He sings. He writes. Actually, the next song that we're going to talk about, he actually was the lead writer and Doc and had nothing to do with. What's interesting to me about Mick is out of all this mess between Dokken and Lynch, Mick played both sides. Yeah. Right? He's played in Lynch Mob and he's played in Dokken and he's in Dokken now. And every time Lynch Mob goes out, if he's free, he goes out with Lynch Mob. So obviously he is the ultimate diplomat. Now, what I've heard through the grapevine is that a hall has to do with Jack Daniels. Like depending on who's screaming, he just feeds him Jack Daniels and everybody's good. So maybe that's how you become a diplomat. I don't know. But the guy definitely got skills. I think I think Mick Brown is just a happy-go-lucky dude that likes to have fun. I had the privilege back in the day around the Tooth and Nail tour to meet Mick Brown, and he was a pretty fun dude, I must admit. You know, I just think he's kind of a crazy dude, uh, fun-loving guy, and uh, doesn't like to get hung up in all the bullshit minutia of being in a band. That's my take, anyway. All right, so my final song of the Dawkins songs... Uh, I picked a absolute Dawkins classic. Again, Don did not write this song, so people might not know that. It was Mick Brown, George Lynch, and Jeff Pilson. I've said twice now, one of my favorite guitar solos of all time, so is this one. Dude, if this doesn't get your heart pumping, you might want to check your pulse. Tooth and nail.
So when I was researching this record, I found it interesting to kind of see the songwriting credits on this album as a whole. Don Dockin actually did not take that much of a front and center role on writing this record as much as Lynch and Pilsen. Yeah, I thought it was weird, but they also had this whole problem with like Worman was supposed to produce it, but then he walked off the job because he was sick of having to record Don's vocals in the morning and Lynch's stuff at night. And uh, so there was a bit to do. So I don't know if Don did that to appease everybody to let them write more. I don't know. I don't know either. I was just kind of surprised to see it. I mean, it's not that Don didn't write plenty of stuff on the record. It's just not as much as I had originally anticipated, but classic. Love it. It's also, you know, I always talk about my poker list Yeah. because the line fate lies in the cards. This is on my poker list. So, uh, guess my heart pumping. <laughs> Sonny and his gambling. <laughs> All right. That does it. Our top five docking list concluded. Bada bing, bada boom. Done. Send your hate mail. Send your freaking. I can't believe you left off this. Again, top five docking at this minute. I could change the list right now if I wanted to, but I'm not going to because we don't have all day. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so the historic moment. So Don Dockin has done a Kiss song as a cover, and it was on 2013's A World with Heroes. Um, It was a tribute album for cancer care that Mitch LaFond put together. So uh, he knew all these guys. And, uh, you know, members from Guns N' Roses, Pantera, Firehouse, Dokken, TNT, LA Guns, Little Caesar, all these people. And uh, they do, what is it, 40 songs on this two-disc CD. And Don decided to do the vocal on one of my favorite Kiss songs. Check out Cold Gin. Again, you know it 
It's slow. Yeah. Tommy Denander, I did not really know who that was. He's the guy who plays guitar. So I go wiki him, and did I get the goddamn phone book? Good Lord, dude. His wiki page has got him credited for landing on Mars or something. Like, it's got him credited (laughs) for everything. (laughs) The one one mayor of Music Town that you never even heard of. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, check the check them out on Google. Tommy D E N A N D E R, and uh, whatever your favorite album is, and whoever your favorite band is, most likely it'll show up on that twenty pages. <laughs> yeah, lots of Kiss connections there. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> 
Ooh. All right, dude. That wraps up this long episode. And it is a long episode, but hell, you know what? We're almost a year old, and that brings us to what we got coming up here. So we got an anniversary episode in the works that's coming up. It's got to be coming up in the next few weeks, right, man? That's right. I can't believe it's been a year already, man. You know, uh, I remember, I think it was Chris that might have said, most podcasts don't last but a few months. If you last a year, you probably got something. <laughs> I guess we got something. Yeah, because I do know podcasters that only lasted a few months. So I guess he was right. Yeah. Well, you know, 57 episodes in, 58, whatever we're at now. I can't remember. I never can remember episode numbers, but uh, I know we're in the 50s. I think we're 56, 57, 58 episodes, and that doesn't even include the time capsules and bonus episodes that we've done. So uh, I think we're well on our way, my friend. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not uh, not bad for a couple of people that never met each other before, what, a year and a half ago? That's it. All yeah. for the love of rock and roll. And they say that rock is dead and they don't put any faith in seeing the arts in our schools and things like that. But hell, music showed us the way, didn't it? It's incredible. I mean, even the fair thing that I went to to see Warren, you know, Wisconsin, I've been living here now for about nine, 10 months. And, you know, I don't go out that much, but these folks that live here are a little different than I am. A California boy, really. So I get to this concert, and dude, it's just like a community of rock fans. You just feel like you're at home almost immediately. There's just something about music that brings people together. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, you won't find a whole lot uh, more loyal listeners than rock and roll, right? That's right. All right. Let's see. I'm going to pull up my Discover Weekly Spotify playlist and do a shuffle and we'll see what, what it comes up with because there's all kinds of stuff on that too. So hopefully it'll play something good. Here we go. Folks, we will holler at everybody next week. Until then, be kind to everybody. Raise your devil horns up high and continue to love rock and roll. See ya. Rock on, people. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.